Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis and I'm joined by Ramona Herdman, a Norwich-based poet whose latest pamphlet, A Warm and Snouting Thing, has been shortlisted for the 2020 East Anglian Book Awards, the latest in a long line of achievements. Ramona will be talking about the all-important business of redrafting, and how we can revise and even combine rough drafts to create strong original poems. Here she is with a poem that developed in a particularly interesting way. My name is Legion, for we are many. My favourite miracle, the casting out of devils from the cut and howling man who lived in tombs above the town. It cast them into swine, a panicking, that sped the herd to drown themselves like lightning in the sea. I feel for the townspeople, the lawful, who thought the madman unbearable trouble until they saw the miracle, and then begged the saint on their knees to go, Godspeed, even gave him a boat, then had to eat the pork, fished out, boiled down to brawn for lack had to watch each other in fear for symptoms of contagion. I think of them when I visit your stink, when I reach in, bare-armed, to pull you from your bed, when I suggest sunlight, when clearing up, when I talk in a voice even I hate, of hope. Great, thank you. Um... Well, uh, there's a biblical influence there, which I think comes across quite clearly. Um, uh, but there are other influences as well. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the background of the poem? So it came uh, from a couple of things that I brought together. Uh, so the first half of the poem, as you say, is a Bible story. Uh, it's a story that... Um, is told a few times in slightly different ways uh, in the Bible, but this, this version that I kind of retell is from Mark. And it came from a writing exercise, which I think was set in Muslexia, which was just find a Bible story and uh, rewrite it. Um, and I was just, I didn't know the Bible that well, and I was just flicking through and I found uh, this story of Jesus casting demons which had been possessing a man or men, just different in different versions, out of him. Um, and he'd been kind of living above a town and causing lots of trouble. And he cast these demons out into a herd of pigs that then ran into a, a lake and drowned themselves. Um, and it just really struck me as a really fascinating and crazy and strange story. And so I'd been... Um, I had been working on that for a while and uh, actually trying to write it as a sonnet. But it, it was sort of lacking something. And so what I ended up doing is realising that what interested me about that story is the bit about where I talk about the townspeople, the lawful, the kind of ordinary people who are not very interesting in the story, but thinking how crazy it must have been for them to uh, witness uh, this kind of magic happening and it then made me think about something else which I had again been trying to write about for quite a while which is uh, the experience of somebody you love being very ill or very self-destructive and being sort of helpless on the sidelines of that so I ended up bringing the 
two parts of the poem together. So the second part of the poem kind of moves away from the Bible story and the I in the poem is talking about uh, their experience as a carer, uh, really for somebody they care about uh, who is um, in a bad way. And uh, for that second part, was there anyone in particular you had in mind? Well, it's interesting. I was talking about this, using this poem as an example in a conversation the other day when we were, I was talking to someone about autobiographical poetry. Um, because this poem actually won a prize. And when I was talking to the, uh, the people afterwards at the Poetry Society about it, um, I kind of got the sense that they were slightly disappointed that it wasn't straightforwardly autobiographical that bit. So it's not that there's a person in my life that I've had this role with. And um, there have been people in my family who have uh, suffered from mental illness and from alcoholism and from depression. Um, but I've never kind of been in in the relation to them that uh, that the I in this poem is. Um, so I think hopefully it kind of makes the poem better in a way that both the I and the you in the poem are left quite open. And I think a lot of us will have that experience of, of caring for someone without necessarily being the formal carer um, and really wanting to help and perhaps not being able to in a way to to make them well again. Yeah, yeah, um, it's um, obviously been uh, very successful. Why do you think it's struck a chord with people? It's interesting, isn't it? I think it's very, very hard to know sometimes. I think hopefully, it is slightly unusual in the way it is these two halves. And I think I do myself as a reader really appreciate poems that surprise me and that go off at an angle, um, but where there is still some logic in that move. Um, so I think maybe people like that, maybe people like I liked the Bible story, maybe they like the kind of the imagery of the demons and the uh, pigs. I think, um, a lot of the time we get told that the two great um, subjects are sex and death or love and death, don't we? And there is, there kind of is love and death in this poem, but hopefully it's, I don't think I have read another poem like it. I have read an Anthony Hecht poem actually, which is a retelling of the same Bible story, which I read quite a long time after I wrote this poem, which, uh, which really made me kind of sit up that somebody else had had a similar idea. But it's obviously, it's very different to this. His, his is just a kind of retelling. It doesn't have an extra kind of story added into it. But I think one of the one of the interesting things about being a writer is you kind of send these things out in the world and, and the ones that people react to um, sometimes surprise you. And also I think um, for any, any kind of uh, competition or award, they will, I think that the poetry scene in the UK is amazing and there's lots of people writing really good stuff. So in a sense, there will probably be a very large number of very good poems that could potentially um, win or be, or be placed. And to a certain extent, the ones that actually do get that honour, it will have something to do with the judge's subjective taste. So I think most, most of my poems have not won anything, but hopefully they will still have appealed to um, some people. Yeah, it's very satisfying to be able to bring different ideas together like that. And uh, it does lead to uh, more original poems. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think, as I say, everybody has different taste. And 
for me, a poem that just tells a story is less interesting than a poem that is conscious of itself as a poem in a way, and that I'd, I'd like a good story like anybody else does, but uh, but that does something surprising in the way it tells it as well, and kind of makes me think differently or feel differently about life than I did before I read it. And uh, do you often find when you're writing poems um, that you find yourself bringing bits of different drafts together like this? I wouldn't say often. I think since this was the first time I did it in a way I found successful. Um, but it is definitely um, something that I do as part of my drafting process. Um, and I think it, it, it can be really useful for me in generating new poems. I was, I was talking to some friends the other day and we all agreed that we kind of have um, some poems that we feel are finished and we're really happy with, which may not be the same thing as anybody else liking them. Uh, we have some poems that we're currently working on and are excited about. And then we, gen we have a kind of big pile of poems that we can't quite let go of, that we think there might there is something there, but they're not quite working. And despite kind of discussing them and workshopping them and things, we're still not satisfied. And then of course there is a huge pile of things that get started as drafts and never go anywhere and are never uh, of just not interesting enough. So that kind of, um, I think what I do try and do periodically is dip into that, uh, that sort of category of poems where I feel like there's something there, there's some sort of spark, um, but for whatever reason, it's, I can't find a way to resolve it within the current draft or it's just, not very interesting but there is something there whether it's a kind of whether it's an interesting form or an idea or a section of it that's good and so from that I do consciously then try and combine um, different drafts um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it sometimes in redrafting on the computer I will be kind of cutting and pasting things together and it might just kickstart my mind into thinking so I might I might do something which starts with bringing two different poems together and sort of mashing them and combining them. But then in the redrafting, I might end up with something that doesn't have any of the <laughs> words from the previous two drafts, but somehow brings together those ideas. So I do find it quite a fruitful way to keep developing my writing. Because I think in common with quite a lot of people, I do find the blank page quite frightening. Um, so it's it's a good way of kind of getting myself into writing uh, where I'm starting from something where I have something to work with already rather than just having a blank page um, and challenging myself to start from nothing. Yes, and it's an interesting thing to talk about on this podcast because we encourage people to uh, try things, we have uh, writing exercises each time, uh, mm. and it can be easy to just try those and then uh, put them to one side. So um, it's uh, great to look at actually uh, uh, returning to those drafts and seeing uh, how you can improve them or how you can turn them into something else. Um, and uh, I think that's what uh, you'd like uh, listeners to uh, try. Um, on this occasion yes absolutely I think um hopefully other people will find it fruitful like I do 
so so yeah my suggestion would be to go through i assume other people also have, will have a a pile or a folder of poems um that they like but maybe they feel that there's they're not quite there yet and they don't feel like through revising and revising the individual drafts they're getting there so i'd suggest picking out two poems that ideally are quite different from each other but where you can see some sort of pivot or link and that might be to do with um, a similar image or it might be to do with in the case of uh, the poem we were just talking about my name is legion it was really for me that the character of the townspeople and then the character of the eye and both of them being almost witnesses to somebody else's trouble um, even though obviously it was very different situations and at the time the two poems I was bringing together one of them was a sonnet and one of them uh, was free verse so I'd say try and find two poems that both of which are not quite there yet, um, two draft poems, but that you like, and where you can see some sort of tangential link. And then see if you can bring them together into one document. And ideally, I would say, if you have one poem that is, one of the poems that is using form or using language in a way that you think is particularly successful, then trying to apply that sort of structure to the material that you bring in from the other poem is quite an interesting way of doing it. Or alternatively, um, I know that I quite often, so for example, with the carer element of this poem, I had written quite a few poems trying to explore that idea because it was really interesting and important to me, but I hadn't kind of nailed it. So if you're in a situation where you have lots of drafts around a similar thing, but they're not quite there, then I think something which can be interesting to do is to go through them and pick out the best bits of each, which might be a few lines or a phrase or a word or an image, and then combine them into a, or use them as a sort of starting point uh, for a new poem. And ideally, I think it is often quite helpful to start with a set form. So just decide, okay, this is gonna be a sonnet, or this is gonna be in rhyming quatrains, or this is gonna be a ballad or whatever, and incorporate your material into that and see where the form leads you. Um, and certainly with Legion, I did for quite a while, I tried to make it be a sonnet and it just wasn't going to be a sonnet. So it's not a sonnet at all. It's, um, it's longer than that, although it does have a sort of turn in it. Um, so hopefully that is something that people might like to play with and might give them another thing to do along with uh, the sorts of writing exercises that are uh, starting with a blank page. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say uh, definitely uh, experiment. Um, and um, I think it can be difficult when you've written a poem to a certain point, it can be hard to kind of see how you can change it or add anything. But uh, I'd say, you know, try to be sort of brave about that and just sort of mm. really, you know, tear it apart, put it back together again. You, you'll still have that version afterwards. Mm. It's not like you're losing anything. And yeah, so uh, I've had a look at, this and I find it um, really interesting sort of uh, looking back at uh, things I've drafted and uh, discovering things I'd forgotten I'd written even in the last year and um, what I ended up doing I'd been trying to write something about the whole lockdown situation and I'd made notes few lines but hadn't really come up with anything solid 
and then I found something I wrote uh, right at the beginning of the year in January. So obviously, um, a lot has changed since then. Mm. So um, I ended up combining those two things. And how far advanced this poem is, I don't know at this stage, but um, I've got a few solid verses. So uh, it's definitely uh, uh, taken it forward. Um, uh, not sure what the title of this is yet, but it goes like this. A bird feeder hangs on my balcony, but no bird ever comes near. But I hear them clearer since the world stilled and we notice each breath, flowers unfolding, the names on statues. We're connected by screens in ways we never imagined confined to two-dimensional cells, hiding our backgrounds, wondering why we're on mute. We still dream of holidays as we paint rainbows and entire lives are reduced to statistics. We know clapping isn't enough, but where would we be without it? Last January, a friend emailed pictures from Sydney, shrouded in smoke from wildfires we'd soon forget. I looked out at heavy midwinter skies, and a blue tit appeared, pecking at the peanuts, then took off again, vanishing into grey. So <laughs> that's that. <laughs> And it feels really seamless, actually. It's really interesting. It, like, if we hadn't had this conversation, I wouldn't have known that you'd put it together like that. It moves really smoothly between the, the different time periods. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so you can't kind of really see that when you're uh, mm. writing the poem. I'm glad it was useful for you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, certainly something I'll remember to uh, do more often. And, um, yeah, hope it's... Uh, brings out uh, many more poems um, and um, I look forward to uh, reading any poems that uh, those of you listening uh, come up with. Yeah, so moving on, um, you had a book out last year, um, A Warm and Snouting Thing. Yes, that's right, with the Emma Press. It's kind of about love and sex and flirtation and sexual politics and being in a long-term relationship and temptation, all those sorts of things, uh, really. It's, it's quite a themed collection. Uh, did you set out to write on that theme uh, to begin with, um, or did it sort of evolve in that way? It kind of evolved. I don't think I, I wasn't doing it, most of it I wasn't doing consciously because the poems in here, um, been written over quite a few years so obviously that's kind of an, only a small proportion of the poems I actually wrote over the time so over that time I was just writing poems about whatever interested me. I am I think most of us as poets find it really hard when when people say what do you write about um, but I have thought about it and I think I can define the things I don't write about which is that I'm, de I'm definitely not a nature poet I don't write about kind of landscapes. I'm very interested in relationships and people and I suppose kind of using language as the art form. Language is there for us to communicate with each other as people. Um, so I think I write lots of poems about that 
and then when there was the when the Emma Press had the call for submissions, my previous publication had been themed, and I'd really enjoyed putting that together. So when the call for submissions came out, I thought ah, I will um, I will theme this, um, and I suppose what I did was I looked through the poems I had that I really liked, and these themes, these kind of related themes, emerged as uh, being present in quite a lot of the poems. So what I did was choose those poems and put them together in an order that made sense to me. With that submission process, you didn't have to submit the full manuscripts to begin with. And obviously it takes quite a while between the initial submission and then the actual publication. So I did have time um, to think more about the themes. And at that point, I did write a few poems that were intentionally exploring aspects of these themes because I was trying to make uh, the collection as a whole balance. I didn't want it to be kind of too heavy and serious on the one hand, but on the other hand, I didn't want it to shy away from some of the more um, kind of challenging and political uh, things about our relationships and particularly uh, women uh, in our society. Right, yeah. Um, maybe we should uh, hear a poem from it at this point. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I will read this one's title. is a little short poem, but its title always needs a little bit of explanation. Um, so I always think that uh, as poets, we often think we would like to have, as long as it was well paid enough, of course, a job uh, naming things and particularly naming paints or naming nail varnishes or such like. So the title of this poem is uh, my imaginary name for a nail varnish colour. No better than she should be read. This summer, my reward for hanging out the washing, bringing in the washing, rushing out to rescue from the rain the washing, slatternly braless in pajamas on scarlet tiptoe, is alpine strawberries. The garden tapestried with shock sweet little nippled sherbet candies, slug beloved, vigorous, sprawling, decadent, shameless. There's uh, some lovely details in there. And I like the title. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, power in uh, naming things. Mm. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, what, what themes were you writing about before? Uh, well, my previous collection was called Bottle, um, and it was about alcohol, but also about family and bereavement. Uh, so again, I think similarly to a warm and snouting thing, there were a, a number of interlinked themes that uh, that kind of wove through. Um, and with Bottle, I did intentionally, I think it had never occurred to me to write about alcohol. And then I think I might have written one or two poems and I suddenly thought, actually, in our society, alcohol is a really big part, big and sort of difficult part of our culture I think a lot of people enjoy it perfectly fine but it causes a lot of problems as well um, and I realized that actually apart from memoirs I don't feel there is that much writing about alcohol in our um, in our culture and um, there's, a, there's a few poets uh, who write about alcohol but I didn't feel like there was as much as there should be so I found it a really once I thought of it as something 
uh, to write about. I find it a really rich theme to work with and particularly to use it as a way of looking at those sorts of things I was talking about before, about how people relate to each other and relationships. And your, your latest book, um, how, how has it gone down? What sort of reaction like? And well, I think I was lucky that it came out, as you say, about this time last year. So it was kind of out for a good time before lockdown. So I did get the opportunity to read from it in person quite a lot, although it is great to also be able to now promote it a little bit um, online and take part in online uh, readings and things. And so I've been lucky that I feel like I have had quite a few good reviews, both online and in some print magazines as well, which obviously often doesn't happen because there's just so much poetry out there and limited space for reviews. So I'm really grateful to the people who have have made the time and the space for that. And also, I must, of course, give a shout out to Emma, who is a fabulous publisher and has been very good at making sending out review copies to people and send, entering it for competitions and things which is great and actually just I've just heard just the other day that um, it's on the shortlist in the poetry category for the East Anglian Book Awards uh, this year. Excellent. Uh, which is really yeah, uh, congratulations and uh, good luck. Thank um, you. Yeah, uh, sort of the latest uh, in uh, many accomplishments. What, what's uh, been your proudest moment as a poet? Oh, that's a really difficult question. Although I say it's difficult, but actually I think I do know. <laughs> um, so Bottle was the, recommended by the Poetry Book Society. It was their pamphlet choice. Uh, for spring 2018 so I think that was uh, that was a real high point uh, for it to be recognized like that but I suppose I think the poetry community is amazing and I just feel really lucky to be a part of it and um, I'm on the committee for Cafe Writers which is a monthly literary event that we run uh, from Norwich and actually it has been so amazing how during lockdown uh, we've been able to do Cafe Writers on Zoom and so many people have come and really swelled the Cafe Writers community. So we have people coming every month now from all over the country and from, from America. And we had somebody from the Philippines last time, South Africa. And it does feel now, obviously, is a really hard time for everybody, um, but it does feel really special and I feel really proud to be able to be part of the poetry community that kind of sharing what I'm writing but also giving the opportunity for other people to share what they're writing and for people to uh, at cafe writers people are always able to comment on each other's poems and uh, in a nice and supportive way so that feels like quite a quite a thing to be proud of at the moment as well. Yes, I, I went to the last Cafe Writers event, um, the uh, first online one I'd been to, and mm. uh, certainly it uh, worked really well. Um, uh, it's never going to be the same as the uh, mm. live events, but um, certainly the fact there are so many people there, and uh, there was somebody, it turned out, who I'd met on a writing course a couple of years ago, who oh, lives okay. in another part of the country, but uh, she was in the audience. Um, and um, yeah, it was a really good event. So um, yeah, definitely wherever you're listening from, uh, do try to uh, tune in for that. Absolutely. Um, Everybody's welcome. Yes. And it's free. And uh, another question. Um, what uh, inspires you? What keeps you writing? 
That's a really good question. Um, I suppose it is, I feel like it's the way I make sense of the world that I write because there are so many things that I don't understand. And by writing them down, I can increase my own understanding. And then hopefully by sharing what I've written, I can add something to other people's lives as well. And certainly uh, having fellow poets to workshop and discuss things with really adds a lot to my life. And I've, I think like any kind of craftsperson, I really enjoy the ongoing learning. And the more I read and the more I discuss poetry and the more I write myself, the more kind of techniques I get, the more I learn about the amazing things that language can do and the flexibility of it and the opportunities it offers. So I suppose it's just, I do it because it gives me a huge amount of pleasure and it, it increases my understanding of the world. It makes my life better. I can't, I can't quite imagine what I'd do with myself without it, really. That was Ramona Herdman, some interesting poems, and I hope you're inspired to look at your draft poems and come up with something new. As always, share your response on social media using hashtag poetrynonstop or email poetrynonstop at gmail.com. You can find out more about Ramona and the writing exercise on the website poetrynonstop.com. If you've enjoyed listening, then please spread the word. You can share it online, write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We have one more poem from Ramona to finish off with. Until next time, thank you for listening and keep writing. I'm going to read a poem about flirtation. So this is kind of set in a sort of um, office in the idea of a kind of first office job when you're sort of young and don't have a great deal of responsibility. Bless email and bless boredom and bless our managers occupied disinterest and bless the fat in the public sector that there was then. Bless our innocence and bless the flex in our young marriages. Bless being seated 20 steps apart and at an angle so there was no risk of eye snagging eye. Oh, and bless language for its ambiguity. Bless not quite invitations, not quite enough to evidence a disciplinary. And bless nine to five endlessness and bless not taking joint tea breaks, not walking to the shops at lunch together, not being like the office joke adulterers who'd hump before work in the car park, hold hands at staff dues, bless going home to our lives. But mostly, bless that ongoing precise and dancing mental drafting. While dealing with spreadsheets, purchase orders, and all the other emails. Bless the heart's ping when one arrived with your name next to it. Bless that summer-breathed continuation of back-of-the-class subdued naughtiness. And bless us for stopping it. <laughs>